Scruffy's Spiteful Dilemma. The North Western Railway owned all kinds of rolling stock that was used in service for passenger and freight operations. Some freight wagons had multiple uses and would carry all kinds of minerals. Other trucks that had special lettering inscribed on their sides were an indication that they were owned by a private company. These companies operate on the island providing all kinds of exports from coal, ballast, even produce. One of these trucks was Scruffy, the most tyrannical, troublesome truck who belonged to the SR Ruffy ballast contractors. He would occasionally be used for other purposes, but engines were always cautious about using him. On this particular day, he was being used to carry building materials in a heavy goods train hauled by Douglas. He slowed down as he headed into the yards, where another engine was due to exchange some wagons. A stumpy orange tank engine whooshed alongside Douglas in a boisterous huff. What took you so long? fumed Billy. I dinna say, these trucks are extra tricky today, remarked Douglas. Be careful as you pull them, especially that young scrotty. Billy had only heard about the fabled tale of how Oliver pulled Scruffy to pieces, but never really saw the truth in it at all. I know exactly what I'm doing, Douglas. I don't need another engine to tell me how to pull trucks. You make it sound like I just joined the railway. You haven't been not been around so much, you know, put in Douglas. Billy's temperature gauge hit its maximum in mere seconds as he grumbled over what Douglas had said. The Scottish engine made himself scarce and dispatched the trucks. Now, if Billy could choose what his train was going to be, his first choice wouldn't normally be trucks. In fact, he had quite a disposition towards the things, so it was on his conscience to get the job done as quickly as possible. The driver's concern was growing. Settle down, lad, he assured. We'll have the train done in no time. Just pace yourself. Billy was already losing time, so he quickly formed his train and picked out the most conveniently placed brake van. What he didn't know, however, is that this particular brake van was just as devilish as Scruffy. Douglas went white. A pair of wicked eyes looked at him. Fancy seeing you again, the spiteful brake van sneered. Douglas hooted. You better be careful, Billy. The train is sure to be a mucking nuisance. Billy had just about enough of Douglas, so said nothing. Billy's train was bound for the China clay pits, where the trucks were going to be put to good use. What Billy didn't know is that these trucks were particularly foolish. As they trundled down the main line, they began to push Billy. He did his best to travel at a steady speed to keep control of the train, but the truck's behaviour didn't help the situation. He's cross, sniggered the spiteful brake van. We'll try and make him cross us still. Scruffy gave an almighty pull backwards and Billy's wheels skidded. We all stop this at once, he barked. This was only what Scruffy and the other trucks had wanted. The engines always think they are so clever And so they like to bump the trucks around They bump them in the sidings, they bump them in the yard They better beware, they better take care, they better be on their guard Because those trucks and trucks will get the engines every time Trucks and trucks will run the engines off their line They push them here, push them there until they go too fast Then they push them once again, laughing while they crash Trucks and trucks will get the engines every time Trucks and trucks will run the engines off their line They don't care how big they are to them, it's just a game Those trucks and trucks will get them all the same They don't care how big they are to them, it's just a game Those 
Billy was soon on his way again, but had to stop at Edwards Station until the main line was clear. He ushered his way into the platform where Boko the friendly diesel was resting in the yard. He observed the array of troublesome trucks. How's old Spiteful treating you at the back there? He asked quizzically. No use at all, put in Billy almost immediately. I expect a brake van to do their job and to discipline those trucks. All he's doing is encouraging them. That particular brake van is especially bad-tempered, Boko mentioned. Then why did nobody tell me? scoffed Billy as he pulled out of the station, not really paying attention to the signal. Billy, stop! cried Boko, but Billy was already ahead on the line. Another whistle could be heard in the distance. Oh, crumbs, it's the express, said Billy's driver. He felt as though he would almost faint. Go at it, he cried, opening Billy's regulator to full. Billy diverted onto Edward's branch as Rebecca came thundering towards the train. Oh, I'm slowing down, I'm slowing down, she wailed. On, 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 cried the trucks. Scruffy, who was leading the train, could see what was coming, and he let out a small squeal of help. There was no sign of Rebecca slowing down. Billy was clear of the main line, but he felt a thundering crash behind him as Rebecca pushed Scruffy, the spiteful brake van, and the troublesome trucks off the line. Harvey and the breakdown train were soon present to clear the mess. The unheard trucks were placed back onto the line, but unfortunately, Scruffy had some damage to his side. The station master and signalman came to observe the cleared wreckage. Mr. Ruffy won't be happy to see what happened to you, Oko muttered to Scruffy. Billy was puzzled. Excuse me, sir, but who's Mr. Ruffy? He was the owner of the Ballast Contractors Company. Unfortunately, one of his other wagons met an untimely fate when it was split in two by one of the great western engines. Shame that this one is wearing some battle scars too. It's because of the darn rotting wood and rusty frames, I say. Billy looked at Scruffy and then looked back at Oko. You mean to say that actually happened and that this isn't the same truck? Oko gulped. You would think one Scruffy was bad enough, but I've met several in my time here on Sodor. Several? gasped Billy. There can't be more than one of him. I used to collect ballast from there, and I'm afraid that it's true, confided Boko. Billy shuddered at the thought that this rebellious truck had brothers and sisters just like him. Oh, where did all the Scruffy trucks go? asked Billy. It's me, replied Boko, but I'm aware that smaller companies on the island have bought them and repaired them as they were cheap. Mm, all clear, Billy, chimed Harvey. The spiteful brake van and the remaining trucks had seen many scrapes, the brake van himself having been pulled apart once before, but now they were back on the rails. They weren't going to let a simple derailment cease their fun. When this is all over, we can give you a nice wash down. How does that sound? soothed the driver. Billy bravely marched on, but his confidence was shattered after the accident that had occurred. He battled against the trucks, pulling and pushing, but he wondered how he could get them back. He didn't want to be responsible for another derailment, as that would cause even more confusion and delay, so he had to think harder. Billy was a practical joker at heart, so he wasn't going to let this spiteful brake van get the last joke on him. The train had to stop again at Upper Brendam to let another train through. An idea flew into Billy's funnel. He saw just the right truck for the job, sitting solitarily in a siding. Please driver, we need to pick that truck up, Billy pleaded. Why is that? That truck over there is the king of the trucks. Forget Scruffy, all trucks fear this one the most. If we want to keep them in order, we better pop him on. The driver spoke to the station master and they made quick arrangements. The big truck was put at the end of the train in between the last truck and the spiteful brake van. Oi, who's this? Sniffed the spiteful brake van. Be quiet, boomed the big truck. The spiteful brake van jumped at the big voice. 
he looked up to see a menacing face looking down at him. The big truck stood tall and mighty. I'm Hector, and you're going to do as you're told. The trucks whimpered, and the spiteful brake van said nothing. The peculiar train made its way through the docks and into the clay pits where Bill and Ben were waiting. They both knew Hector none too well, and were surprised to see how orderly the train was. Those trucks are going to be a right old treat to look after, remarked Ben. Those other trucks have been no good, added Bill. Billy looked at the line of trucks that Bill was pulling and instantly recognised them. Four or five of the trucks shared a very similar likeness to Scruffy. The same beady eyes, the same crooked teeth, and the same mischievous smiles. Billy had seen it all. They uncoupled the trucks and took Hector and the spiteful brake van back with them towards Tidmouth. So long as we keep these two together, I'm sure the spiteful brake van will have no trouble with anybody at all, said Billy merrily. What if they don't need a hopper wagon? Put the fireman. They can use him if they like, but he can be old spiteful's insurance policy. We'll see how good he is from now. You would have thought being squashed would be enough to teach you a lesson. Billy laughed. When Billy arrived at the loco yards at Natford, he was more than ready for his washdown. Gordon and James had heard from Rebecca about what had happened and were ready to lecture Billy on just how to run the main line, but all the engines stopped when they heard shouting coming from the fat controller's office. I won't have my trucks being bit on a man like bumper cars, a voice ordered. The fat controller was quick to respond. I'm sure you about the accident, but you ought to know that the scoffy wagons have been badly built. This was bound to happen, eventually. Bound to happen? My investment was to provide your railway with ballast, and we could only afford what we could get for our freight stock. A man with fierce red hair and a bushy moustache thundered out of the fat controller's office and marched out of the station. What a troublesome man, sparked Edward. You see that, said one of the engine cleaners. That's Sir Charles Ruffy, the owner of the SR Ruffy Company. He's not so happy. It was only going to lead to this, said another engine cleaner. The railway favoured the Arlesdale Bellis Company more for its quality, so Sir Charles went broke. Gordon was puzzled. Why would a man who no longer runs the company still have such an attachment to where his old freight trucks go? Perhaps, put in Edward, it's all that he had. Billy was still left confused. He thought about the damaged scruffy wagon he pulled that day. Then he thought about what the others had seen and wondered why the trucks were so troublesome in the first place.
with a chuff, chuff, chuff. Climbing stone with a puff, puff, puff. Percy was being kept rather busy at the harbour. Large exports of stone, fish and fruit were always charting off onto the waters. Thomas would try and help wherever he could get the opportunity, but he too had jobs of his own. The fat controller soon recognised the situation and promised to send help his way. The help soon arrived the following morning. Sydney, the diesel shunter, was an engine who meant well, but getting the job done wasn't really his forte. He would often be rather forgetful, so getting anything done was usually a challenge. The diesel shunter rolled into the platform looking puzzled. Uh, what was it pulling today, Percy? You're not pulling a train, Sydney. You'll help me clear away these trucks so we have more room for goods to arrive this evening. It was fortunate, however, that the two engines were good friends already, so Percy could assist Sydney where necessary. Ha ha ha, he he he, a very special job for me. Take these trucks to Tiffany. Percy laughed as his friend left the harbour with his trucks. Suddenly, another engine rolled into the harbour. Hello, Percy. Samson here, at your service. Percy was rather startled. He wasn't expecting anyone else that afternoon. The pack controller sent me here to help clear away trucks in the harbour. He knew he was doing the absolute right thing by asking an engine like me. Well, I'm happy to have your help. We'll definitely need it this afternoon. Excellent. Perhaps I can start by... Getting rid of these trucks. Yes, I can tell you where they need I to go. have no fear, Percy. I know exactly where these trucks can go. You can rely on me. Samson, I do need to tell you something important. It's about Sydney. He can be a little bit forgetful, so I do need you to show him where things go. Not a worry, little Percy. I'll have him looked after. You see. And with that, Samson coupled up to the empty trucks and made his way out of the harbour. Wait a minute. Little, scowled Percy to himself. Samson didn't realise how forgetful Sydney was and decided to brush it off immediately. Soon enough, both Sydney and Samson have returned to the harbour. Did you find somewhere to put the trucks? asked Percy. Uh, what trucks? Sydney was clueless. Oh, certainly, Percy. You won't have to worry about them at all. Percy wasn't convinced by either engine, but knew that the job had to be done. Sydney marshaled up to a rake of vans that needed to be moved. Now remember, Sydney, these vans need to go back to the yards at Tidmouth. Yards at Tidmouth. Got it. And Sydney rolled away. 
He didn't have far to go, as Knapford only neighboured the Tidmouth area, but there was plenty to keep Sydney distracted. Instead of heading towards the yards, Sydney was ushered by the majesty of beautiful beaches that headed up Duck's branch line. The trucks bickered behind him, but that didn't bother Sydney. His mind was somewhere else completely. Samson wasn't following Percy's instructions either. He was much more charmed careening through the countryside and made his way up another branch line where he shouldn't be going. manager at Tidmouth phoned the harbour to see what was going on. Percy was puzzled. My perfect operation has fallen into tatters. We need to find out what's happening to all these trucks, decided Percy's driver. They can't completely disappear off the grid. Elsewhere, Sydney had found his way to a station he thought he'd never seen before. The station sign read Bayview Holiday Park. A little narrow gauge engine emerged from his shed and squinted at the diesel. Oh bother, not you again, grumbled the little engine. Hey, that's my name, gleaned Sydney. You wouldn't think, but I'm not so sure, fellow engine. Your name is Sydney too, Sydney cheerfully noted. My name has always been Sydney, ever since I was erected on my nameplate. You, however, are not so sure. Sydney was blinded by admiration, so it was no use deterring him. The other Sydney was a light blue narrow gauge engine with a tall cab and a round of boiler, similar to Peter Sam's. He meant well, but he wasn't entertained by the fact that some diesel claimed that they had the same name. Sydney spent all afternoon chatting to Sydney until we ran out of things to talk about, which didn't take very long. Anyway, I best be off. I'm helping my friend Percy today at the harbour. Cheerio! And with that, Sydney left the station, leaving his trucks behind. <laughs> Meanwhile, Samson had ideas of his own. This looks like a good place to keep these trucks, Samson decided. He made his way into a small yard where there was a strand of line that led to a narrow gauge interchange. Here, Samson could see a small little purple engine huffing back and forth, sorting out an array of coal wagons. Samson tooted on his whistle to make himself known. The little engine jumped. Excuse me, is there something I can help you with? Oh, let me introduce myself. I'm Samson, at your service. I'm wondering if I can leave these trucks here. The engine was reluctant. You can't, but we'll need that later on for the incoming coal trucks. But I'm sure it shouldn't be a worry, Samson chimed as he uncoupled his wagons. Mustache, got to get more wagons to bring. Tara! The little purple engine gave a frustrated sigh. Percy was becoming more and more impatient as Samson and Sydney both arrived back at the harbour. I've been wondering where you two have been. There's no sign of the trucks at the yards and I've been needing your help. The fat controller is relying on me to make everything perfect. If I may say, Percy, I found a much more efficient place to put the trucks, somewhere where they're very out of the way. I forgot where I put mine, Sydney sighed remorsefully. Percy had almost had had enough of Sydney and Samson. I need you to do as I tell you, not as you wish. The harbour wharf remained very civil for the rest of the afternoon. Percy made sure that Samson and Sydney travelled together 
to the yards and that the trucks would put in the proper signs. Back at the Bayview Holiday Park, Duck was arriving in with his train and got a shock as he tried to make his way into the platform. Trucks were scattered everywhere. Hello, where did these come from? asked Duck rather puzzled. I'm glad you asked, put in the narrow gauge engine. You haven't met Sydney, have you? But Sydney, you couldn't get onto my standard gate tracks. Not me, the other Sydney, the big blue brainless diesel. Oh, that Sydney. What on earth was he doing over here? Probably delivering those trucks, but he's so hollow-headed that he forgot about what he was doing and left them all here. That's not the great western way of doing For the last time, Duck, I don't want to hear about your way of doing things. I know what Sydney did wrong, but you don't need to point out the obvious. What I can't understand is that you talk like you know him. You obviously hadn't anything to do with him, have you? The little engine inhaled. I'm very much afraid that I do. You see, when Sydney first arrived on Sodor, it wasn't your initial straight-up walk-and party treatment like the rest of us get. Trucks near me, Beef. Cheers, Bert. Hey, is that new engine supposed to be arriving today? Oh, I believe so. Well, hopefully, he's got the stomach for the job. <laughs> Hello, gents. Good evening for it, innit? The two wine engine diesels looked at the new engine and then back at one another. You got a name? The new diesel snarked. Names aren't important. We've got a job to do, and I don't want to associate myself with it. Fair enough, Bert grunted. These old geezers need to be melted down. You can take them to the shed. The new diesel reluctantly agreed. We'll have to go slow. The smell of sheds are weirder with them, <laughs> laughed Harry. Sorry to let you go, is there anything I can get you? Just go, said one. You've done enough here. The new diesel solemnly exited. But then he saw the chance. One little engine who sat on the flatbed looked right at him. Its eyes were filled with sadness. He saw so much more in this little steam engine. So, he slowly moved forward to go pick him back up. This little engine was deserving of a new life, he thought. But then there was trouble. As the new diesel engine edged forward, he knocked over a train that dragged onto the line and a large heavy object plummeted down right on top of him. Oh, cried the new diesel, it's the ghost, they've got me. His wheels skidded as he reversed out of the shed. The new diesel exited the smelter's yard, speeding down the line, and disappeared in the black velvet night. Harry and Bert laughed. I knew he didn't have it in him. Diesel had slowed down, but couldn't stop worrying about where to go. As the sun rose over Sodor, he eventually found himself near the sea and stopped at a rather pleasant-looking station. In a small shed, a little narrow-gauge engine was being steamed up for the day's work. He puffed out of his shed and looked at the scared diesel with his squinty eyes. Hello, may I help you? 
The new Diesel didn't know what to say. Well, let's start with names. Who are you? His eyes darted all over the place, still scared from what he had seen. But things were getting mystified and blurry. His eyes led to the gold glistening nameplate on the little blue engine as the morning sun reflected off it. Uh, Sydney, yeah, that's it. The little engine laughed. Well, it seems we share names. You must have chosen yours well. The two new friends laughed together, then Sydney the diesel sputtered. A nearby workman couldn't help to notice what was going on. He looked at the diesel in his dark green and yellow livery and knew all too well where he had come from. This engine is far too gentle to be involved with such malicious activity, he thought. The workman's name was Jasper, and he ordered that the diesel was to be moved into the nearby workshop. He spent most of his time looking after Sydney, the narrow gauge engine at the holiday park, but was happy to look after another engine who needed care and attention. Sydney's brakes had seized up and weren't functioning, so he had to be pushed into the workshop. Over the next weeks, Jasper visited Sydney every day to sand away his old livery and paint in a dark blue coat with yellow stripes. You can be a little bit like your friend Sydney, Jasper chuckled. Just a different tinge of blue, though, so we can tell you apart. As Jasper painted Sydney, he tried to teach him nice things that engines also do, but he had to compete with Sydney's newfound forgetfulness. He knew that Sydney's mind was trying to bury away the nasty things that he had witnessed, so he was quick to forgive. One day, as Jasper was clearing the workshop and Sydney was enjoying some music from the radio, there was a loud knock at the shed door. Thanks for all your work, but we'll take it from here. What are you going to do with him? I was hoping that this diesel could work on Duck's branch line. This diesel needs special care. He's seen a lot. I have a place you can call home and fellow diesels who will look after him. Trust me, he will be better there than here. And with that, Sydney and the diesel disappeared. Sydney awoke, feeling a rather peculiar sensation. His entire chassis had been removed and he was less suspended in the air like a trapeze artist. You'll be fine, don't worry, assured a little diesel. You'll need a new set of wheels. Your brakes have been damaged. What we mean to say is, we'll have you fixed up in no time. The big grumpy diesel who brought Sydney to the diesel works approached him. Now, Sydney, I believe that's your name. I need to ask you something very important. Can you tell me who these diesels are? Two dark green and yellow diesels looked up at him with a complex mixture of disdain and concern. Uh, uh, no, I can't say I do. That is all well, Sydney. You'll see them popping by here from time to time when they have repairs. You look tired though, Sydney. You've had a big day. Why don't you get some rest? Sydney agreed and closed his eyes. You must never tell him about what happened. He's a sick engine, but I assure you, we'll look after him. He's in good care here. I have it in good word that a replacement will come your way. Don't worry. Now, concluded Sydney, the narrow gauge engine, whenever he finds his way here on this side of the island and meets me, he forgets that we've even met in the first place. Duck felt sorry for the poor diesel. Their conversation was interrupted by Percy, who marshalled up to the forsaken trucks. I'm so sorry, Duck, said Percy. It's just Sydney, yes. Yes, I'm aware, sympathised Duck. You just take care of him, why don't you? 
Percy, oblivious to what Duck had alluded to, agreed and went on his way. Samson had to return to the power plant where he left his trucks. The little purple engine glared as he approached him. I don't suppose you're going to get rid of these trucks soon, are you? As a matter of fact, that's what I've come for. They've been ordered to go elsewhere. That's how it should be, assured the purple engine. Sydney was back at the harbour wharf, and he was rearranging the trucks that Mavis had left at the quarry. Where's Samson? asked Percy. Here I am, Samson puffed as he reversed into a nearby siding. Percy chortled. I think that's all done for today. I best take you home, Sydney. Thank you, Percy. I'm bound for Vickers Town, so I'll join both you too, Samson cheered. The three engines puffed along the main line. As they approached Croven's Gate, Peter Sam was humming to himself as he was being cleaned up for the evening. Hey, started Samson. Now you look like an engine who I've seen before. You what? His Sam spat unknowingly. I met a little purple engine today, just like you, at the power plants on the branch line to Pule Godred. Oh, him, realised Peter Sam. That's little Barford. We're distant brothers. Now, being on different railways, we hardly see each other. Sydney stared at Peter Sam. Peter Sam stared back at him. You do look familiar, but I can't play square. He decided not to worry about it as the trio made their way to Vickerstown. Paxton was waiting to greet Sydney at the entrance to the diesel works. I was beginning to wonder where you got to, laughed Paxton. Thank you for waiting, Paxton, whistled Percy. No, thank you for working with him today, Percy, and being such a good friend to him. Percy was rather taken aback. It's quite all right. As Sydney disappeared into the sheds, Paxton muttered, No, really, you mean a lot to him. You really are perfect for him, Percy. And with that, Paxton looked back and followed Sydney. Percy was full of optimism, but questions too. What was that about? asked Samson. I don't know, replied Percy. I really don't know. I'm Mike O'Donnell, one of the composers of the original Thomas the Tank Engine theme, and I'm here to tell you that I have released a selection of re-recorded themes and songs from the classic shows in a series of albums called The Engine Themes. These albums include a variety of classic themes and songs from the original TV series, as well as a few new compositions. You can purchase these albums on CD or digital download, as well as posters and pin badges. Have a look online at modmusic.co.uk. And for a special offer for Right On Track listeners, you can use the special code ROT20 for a 20% discount on all digital downloads. Be sure to enter the code when making your purchase. Thank you for your support and happy listening. Take care and stay safe. James and the Other Red Engine 
Sodor was buzzing with activity in the autumn period. While regular services carried out, there was an ever-increasing demand for passenger services on all of the lines that snaked around the island. This didn't cease the eager anticipation for visitors from the mainland to see the engines in action. The fast controller was making plans for a series of special chartered trains to take place across the railway so that enthusiasts could take in all aspects of the island. The big engines were wondering that afternoon who would be responsible to pull the trains. The responsibility of carrying such a momentous train would have to be blessed to a big engine not unlike myself, put in Gordon. I think you've had a fair share of important trains over the year, Gordon. I've longed for the experience to do so myself. After all, I was the initial choice to pull the royal train when Her Majesty came here, but if it wasn't for that painter, the nerve I tell you. It may be within your right, Henry, but both of you haven't considered one important thing. The two big engines looked at James, absent-mindedly. And what might that be, little James? The charter trains are going to showcase on all aspects of the island, meaning whoever gets to port will have to go down branch lines. I was under the impression you thought branch lines were vulgar, Gordon. <laughs> Oh, just you. Wait. Besides, both of you are much too big to travel on the likes of Thomas's or Duck's branch line. I think that takes both of you out of the equation and gives me a greater likelihood. The visitors will want a splendid engine as well, may I add? Both Henry and Gordon seethed with envy at the thought that they may not be chosen and James could have one up on them. Before either of them could retort back, James had puffed out to the station jauntily. Just look at him. This is the circus train all over again. You're right. The fat controller emerged from his office to address Gordon and Henry. I've had news from one of the mainland railway controllers about the plans for the charter service. The engine who'll be taking the trains is due to arrive tomorrow morning. Gordon and Henry blinked, a little disappointed but somewhat relieved that the possibility of James pulling the train was no longer possible. It was at this moment a wicked idea popped into Gordon's fireballs. So I couldn't help to wonder, but do we know who this engine will be? Surely they're a, a, a grand engine with some experience. Oh, ho, ho, they definitely are. Very versed in charter services. Would you happen to know what colour they might be? Oh, I'm not too sure. Why would you want to know such specific details? They're a privately owned locomotive from the Shone Valley Railway. From what I know after their working life, they were painted red. Gordon's eyes lit up with amusement. As he and Henry departed, Henry looked over to Gordon to understand what may be going on. Gordon had a plan to page at his back for his churlish behaviour. As the engines congregated for the evening, Gordon and Henry decided this was the perfect opportunity to get James back. I say, Henry, did you hear the news? What? I said, did you hear the news? Oh, oh yes, that news. Word on the rails is that the fat controller has decided who's going to pull the train. Oh, really? Well, I only know two things about the lucky engine. From what I heard... He's from the mainland. The mainland? Oh, how very swanky. It was Thomas's turn to push him. I wonder if it will be an old friend. It will be good to see Stepney or Wilbert again. Well, that would be nice, dear Thomas. I'm afraid that strays far from the truth. Apparently the engine is a... Uh, a uh, Shoney class. A Shoney class? Put in Percy. I've never heard of such an engine before. You haven't heard of a Shoney class? Oh, Percy, you have much to learn. They have a large wheel configuration. Uh, and, and... He stands taller than Murdoch and longer than Spencer. My goodness me, that sounds like a big engine, said Thomas. Oh, but Thomas, you're missing the greatest detail. It may be large and sleek, but it's, it's, it's very lightweight. Oh, and it's good for travelling on branch lines. 
It was at this moment that James started to pay attention to the conversation. What's special about this engine, concluded Gordon, is that they are red. James's face went white with realisation of shock and horror. Surely the fat controller wouldn't allow such an engine to come. Oh, it's confirmed. From what I've heard, the engine is arriving tomorrow. Tomorrow? Rather worried for his own welfare and reputation, James ushered himself into the sheds without another word, leaving Gordon and Henry quietly sniggering. Percy, however, was rather puzzled. Then Edward explained. I think Gordon and Henry might be pulling James's wheels, he said. The next morning, James made sure he got to work in good time. He was determined to show the fact control that a mainland engine, let alone another red engine, was not necessary to pull the charter services. He worried that the new engine would upstage him and possibly take his place as the token splendid red engine. Say, Rosie, who's this train for? This train? Henry is due to take it at the end of the line this morning. James thought this could be his great opportunity to show the fat controller. He was strong and capable after all. I'll be taking these trucks. The fat controller asked me to. James backed up to the long train of troublesome trucks with a bump. The trucks hissed and sniggered. You trucks ought to be on your best behaviour, you hear? I won't be putting up with your nonsense today. Where's Henry? He usually pulls our train. Henry's not here today. I will pull you. Not with that attitude. Enough! Infernal cheek, the lot of you. I need to show the fat controller that I'm more capable of pulling the charter train. James puffed slowly out of the shunting yard, onto the main line. We'll show him a thing or two, won't we, gang? Stow it! That's no way to speak. We'll pay him out. We'll pay him out! We'll pay him out! James' thoughts got the better of him as he dwelled more and more on the topic of the mysterious Schoenay class engine. He was so carried away that he disregarded an amber signal as he sped past a signal box. James thundered past the signal box. The signalman looked up from sleeping and angrily threw his fist at James. I'll show him, I'll show him! Unbeknownst to James, the line ahead was occupied. Boko was waiting at the next signal with a long line of coal trucks that were due for Neptune. James's truck sawed the opportunity and took A quick-thinking shunter pulled the track point lever, diverting James into a siding. James! cried Boko. And then there was trouble. James crashed through the buffers and onto the ground as the trucks behind him laughed chaotically. He sighed as he realised the mess that he got himself into. Goodness gracious me, James. I don't know when you'll learn. These trucks were especially given to Henry because he knows how to control them. I'm sorry, sir. I shouldn't have taken them. I just... I I wanted to show that I could be more impressive than this mainland engine that you were going to get to upstage me. Upstage you? Whatever do you mean, James? I heard the engine was a... a red Chernay class. Gordon said so. James, the engine comes from the Chernay Valley Railway. I have no idea what Gordon is on about. Aha, that sounds like her now. Hello, sir. It's lovely to be here. Ah, Katie, how wonderful to finally meet you. I trust your journey treated you fairly. Yes, sir. I've longed for a good run, so the distance between my railway and yours worked out exceptionally well. And I'm looking forward to the chartered services, too. Well, James, maybe you should understand that size isn't everything, and that perhaps you should take the words of others with a grain of salt. Katie here is perfect for our charter services. 
She is very capable of traveling not only across the main line, but on branch lines too, being a tank engine who's very advantageous for this. He paused. What I think you have exemplified this morning, James, is that you have a lot to learn about trucks and how to control them still. Perhaps it's worth your time maybe stepping back from pulling passenger trains until you've brought yourself back up to speed. James looked sadly down at his buffers. He thought about what Gordon had said, and he'd wondered whether he would ever be allowed to pull passengers again. 